Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Special edition of the, the Out of Sight podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You know, we know you love them, so we got a special one. Dave and I are interviewing Kate Scott, play-by-play TV announcer for the Philadelphia 76ers. Kate Scott has done many, many things. She's the first woman to cover an NFL game on the radio, the first woman to call a football game on the Pac-12 Network, the first all-women's NHL game on NBCSN for International Women's Day in 2020, the first to call a Warriors game on the radio, and as a sophomore at Cal Berkeley, she was the first Mike Mann slash Mike person leading cheers for Cal Berkeley. The list goes on and on, but you know what? We love her here as the head play-by-play announcer of the Philadelphia 76ers. Dave cannot wait to talk to Kate. This is pre-recorded, so everything is set, ready to go. I hope you're as happy listening to this podcast as we were to record it. Really, really excited to talk to Kate. Uh, It's just so hard to do what she did. I mean, Zoom off stepping out when he did, it's kind of like, what if Allen Iverson retired in his prime and suddenly we're just watching Joel Embiid and we're like, well, who is this guy? He's not Iverson. It's going to take us some time. So, um, but she's coming to her own and I think she's been calling games better and better. So it's been such a joy to listen to her call games this year. Here is, here it is without further ado, David Early, Adio Royster, Kate Scott. Let's get it. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing so great guys. Thanks for having me today. I understand that this is a whirlwind week for you. You have been doing quite a few podcasts I actually did a Kate Scott podcast cram sesh myself to listen to some to make sure we didn't bore you asking the same things over and over. Um, so I went I went way back to like I saw some of your stuff from 2016. Oh, man. I saw some some fun stuff where you originally thought about being a school teacher. Mm-hmm. So we got we got the whole we got the whole gamut. Wow. We are so so glad and so grateful now to listen to you on Sixers Calls. Well, thank you so much. It's it's really great to be here. And I feel like I should apologize to Dave for having listened to me so much over the last few days to prep for this. <laughs> no, it was fun because so many of them were laid back. Because that's where that's where the majority of us broadcasters do our work. The the game, the podcast is the fun part, but it's all the prep you do leading up to that that, sh- that shows how dedicated you are to the craft. The craziest thing that I heard Kate say was, she was calling Niners games and not at a time where we're down to the 53 man, but at a time where there's like 90 players and they showed really quick, like her stickies of a million people. And then she's saying, and then, and then she's saying, Oh, and I'm sleeping in my car around this time too. So. Wow. <laughs> yeah, man. It's uh, it's been a grind to get here. You know, nobody, thought that uh, a woman could call sports. I mean, heck, I didn't even think that uh, women were going to be allowed to call sports. I didn't even start calling sports until after I graduated from college because 
even when I was at UC Berkeley in school from 2000 to 2005, um, 2001 to 2005, I should have stayed five years in retrospect. College is so much fun, kids. Stay as long as you can. But um, <laughs> but even when I was in school, I thought that being a sideline reporter and being a, a sports anchor were going to be the ceiling for a woman who wanted to work in sports. Um, so yeah, I had to... Uh, a lot of people have said go above and beyond what a lot of my male counterparts had to do to uh, be thought of as maybe viable for a role and then had to go above and beyond in those roles uh, in order to to get to where I am today, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Uh, I love my journey. I love everything I've learned and it has taught me and all the people that I have met along the way. So it's uh, it's mine and I love every part of it. We, we really appreciate how late Joel and B got started too. So you have some kinship with <laughs> exactly, there. yeah. Picking up the game at like 16, 17, 18. <laughs> so, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that comparison, but I will take it since it came out of your mouth. <laughs> Kate, we are so honored and privileged to have you on our, our little podcast here, our, our little mom and pop venture. Uh, let's just jump right into it. With the, the playoffs, uh, Joel Embiid, his health has been really kind of coming into question a little bit. Have you been around the facility and have you seen anything? Like, are you on any like text change? What's your feeling about <laughs> like next week when things get started for, for game one? Are you one? wanting me to break some news here, Dio? Yes. Is that what you wanted me to do? Yes, that is exactly Screw what NBC I... Sports Philadelphia. Screw my employer and letting them get the run. Let me tell you guys right now. I figured they got it first anyway, you know? <laughs> is it, is it a score differential issue? Uh, <laughs> I, I do not have any insider information, but what I can tell you is uh, Joel's played through pain a lot this year already. Um, he was not right going into the All-Star break, but he knew how important it was for him to be out there for his guys in order to win basketball games. And that was in January and February. So I have no insider information, but I... Uh, I would put all my chips in the middle of the table to say that the big fellow is going to play and he's going to give us everything he has um, because I think wow. he and the rest of his teammates know what a good shot they have this year, how much fun they're having playing with each other. And I think they, like all of us fans, um, want it to last for as long as possible. So I don't know if he'll be 100%, but kind of like every sport, we hear it in football the most, but once you get to the playoffs, like nobody is 100% healthy. Everybody's playing through something. Uh, but I, I think the big fellow will be out there and doing what he can for us. I had to try, you know. I appreciate it. That's why I had to call you out. Like, <laughs> you're just you're just talking to me. Nobody else is listening. Just tell me what you know. Exactly. <laughs> like I know you've been texting Joel's personal pages and stuff. Just tell me. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so Sixers Celtics matchups. Obviously, they've had our number and, you know, the Sixers may not be totally healthy. And I got to say, I didn't really count the first game against Me the neither. Celtics because everybody's in feeling out mode. But the two teams, like the last three meetings, there were it was a score differential of like 12 points. Yeah. Is it possible this series is like closer than maybe we and the national media might think it is? Thank you for doing your research with you. Cause I was, I, I try, uh, I try. I, I've been obviously looking at stuff before 
this week because I knew that I was going to be asked about Sixers and the potential of a second round meeting with the Celtics. Uh, so I think that having the Sixers number only comes down to that 3-1 number because let's break down a few other things. Okay, so the first time we see them is the season opener. The Celtics made it all the way to the NBA Finals. They have their total team back. They are ready and to Brogdon. Right, And they added Malcolm Brogdon, who ended up being the sixth man of the year just a, a week ago. Thank you very much, Dave. So <laughs> meanwhile, the Sixers are trying to integrate two which we now know are key pieces of their success this year. P.J. Tucker in the starting lineup and DeAnthony Melton coming off the bench because we're months away from getting Jalen McDaniels. James Harden goes off for 35 points. It's still a pretty good game until the fourth quarter. Then it got away from the Sixers. Okay. Game two, we see them in Boston in February, just before the All-Star break. This is weird, too. Tyrese Maxey is still coming off the bench. It was that in-between time. No Jalen McDaniels yet. Paul Reed was a DNP. Is this the Blake Griffin three three-pointers in the first Blake quarter? Blake Griffin starts because the <laughs> Celtics Griffin. are throwing out such a weird lineup. Tatum elbows his teammate in the face, breaks Jalen Brown's face in the second quarter. So Blake Griffin is Blake Griffin of 2010 you know, in L.A. It's, it's Lob City again with Blake Griffin. This is like his one good game of the season. The Sixers made 10 threes. Boston made 19. So they were minus 27 in, in three points. They lost the game by seven points. Okay, and then game three, Sixers only made nine threes in that game. They got out-rebounded, and still the Celtics needed a Jason Tatum running three at the buzzer to beat the Sixers. And then in the fourth game, which the Sixers finally won, still got out-rebounded, lost the turnover battle. The bench only had 10 points, only seven second-chance points, and we still won that game. So I'm so glad you brought that up because – I hope that the national media and everybody else continues to say, man, the Celtics have had the Sixers number this season because, you know, if they actually look into the details, that is not the case. I think if this ends up being the second round meeting, it's going to be uh, an epic series, Eastern Conference, old school rivals battling things out. uh, Because in my opinion, these are the top two teams that I've seen in the NBA this season. All right, let me hit you with a, a quick one. Of the four teams on the other side of the bracket, Knicks, yeah. Heat, Cavs, Bucks, who do you think emerges from that gauntlet now? Two of those oh, are man. three to one, but I can't tell you that those series I are know. Over. I mean, just, just because I'm an old head, um, and I saw David Murphy, who's a columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer, you guys probably saw this too, tweet out that uh, the last time that the Knicks and the Celtics and the Sixers all made the Eastern Conference semis was back in 82-83, which is the last time, obviously, the Sixers went on to win the NBA title. So just because I'm a kid who was Why? born in the 80s, like, I would love to see the Knicks move on. I think they're going to beat the Cavs. Um, I have not been scared by the Bucks this season. Hopefully mm. saying that won't come back to bite me. I don't know if they get knocked out by Miami. I still think they have the championship medal. I still think they have a ton of talent, but they just, it's the eye test, right? Like Miami, yeah, they're up 3-1 on the Bucks, but even they look different than the Miami we saw last year. And kind of the same thing with the Bucks. It's hard well, to put it into words. So it's a good thing I'm not calling games anymore this season. <laughs> but there's just like Chris Middleton's still not looking like Chris Middleton of old. Like Grayson Allen, great shooter, defensive liability, but you got to have him out there. So I think they're st- still trying to figure stuff out. And at this point of the season, you don't you don't want that to be the case or you're in trouble. 
see you've had that comment about the bucks i said similar about the miami heat i was just like i do not believe in this miami heat team i've said it from the beginning of the season no same and, here same here jimmy's jimmy's playoff jimmy jimmy butler's incredible and there's and, some individual pieces that are great but they're a different team than they were last year apparently jimmy butler saw my comments and he just did the whole jordan i took that personally <laughs> thing it was just like jimmy i'm sorry i'm sorry was okay it was me it was all me i take full responsibility uh james harden we we have to we have to talk about this yeah let's do it now you've gotten to see james up close more than dave or i via you know shoot arounds practice yeah dave continues to believe that harden just hasn't looked right since the bulls game late march what's your take on harden's play since returning from the achilles like the trouble finishing I think, br- I think bring it on, bring it, bring it on, Dave, bring on, bring on all the slander, bring on all the <laughs> doubt. I think James, James just has a little backpack of disrespect this year. Well, I, well he, I'm, I'm one of his biggest fans. So as one of his fans, I'm thinking it's, it's hard to watch him. No, I know. Play it. I know what you're saying. Um, but no one is harder on James than himself. The, I, and I understand why you're saying what you're saying. The difference to me is he's getting He's getting to the cup. He's getting past dudes. His handle looks tighter than it did last season when he couldn't get past anybody. He's not making the layups, and that's frustrating, right? I mean, he had a ton of them in the first half of game four, but so did Tyrese and so did DeAnthony, so much so that the guys were making fun of each other at halftime of that game. Like, can anybody hit a shot? Are we still playing? Were they? <laughs> or are we all stars? Like, what are we, what are we doing out here? So I understand the concern. Um, but I think that James has heard the guys hear and see everything. Um, I think he knows what the story currently is that's been written about him in the postseason. And I think he, more than anybody, wants to write a new chapter this year. I think he really loves playing with these guys. He's 33. So I think that the pains that he had when he was 27, just like all of us, (laughs) it hurt a little more. They're a little harder to push through. But uh, I thought he had a really good game one and really good game four in the opening series um, as far as being the old school point guard. Um, so I understand your concern, but I disagree. I think he's he's doing OK. I think he looks different than the James we saw when he was rocking and rolling in Houston. And I think we're still all adjusting to that. Um, but I will not be surprised if he has a big game or two in the second round, whoever we play. Do you have an official or an unofficial opinion on whether or not the Sixers need to make it to the final four for him to stick around? Mm. No, I don't. Um, I'll just say if I was him, because again, I, <laughs> I'm not best buddies with James or Joel or any of the guys. Um, from the outside looking in, it sure looks like he's having a really good time with these guys. Like at times they remind me of a high school team, which is very rare to say about a professional organization in any sport because it is such a business when you get to this level. Guys' livelihoods, I mean, there's just, there's so many levels of added stress than the playing in high school and you're playing free and you're pantsing guys and you're just like having fun, right? Because it's just an after-school activity. But at times, and I think that's one of the reasons they've had such a great year, these guys are really enjoying playing with each other. So I understand all the stuff that's come out about Houston. And I know that that's, I mean, he's invested a ton of money there, heart and soul, helping after hurricanes, helping organizations. Like, I understand that. It is, a, it is a home base for him and always will be. But I think he's also well aware 
how much fun he's having and the potential that this group has. Um, so I think that if they get close this year, I can see him coming back. The, the only way I could really see him not coming back is if they win the championship. And he's like, sweet, I got my chip. I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah. I'm go to, I'll, I'll take I that. Everybody here would be fine with that. Like, thank cool. you, sir. Have a great time. In I would build his, I would start building his statue, whether he left right? or not. Exactly. So I, and again, this is just my opinion. I really can't see him leaving if they do anything other than win a championship, because I think just from an outsider's perspective, he realizes how good he has it here right now and how much he wants to win a championship because of what that would do for his legacy. So now, I, you, we'll see. you alluded to some of the, the stuff you're privy to, like seeing this team bond and seeing them mm -hmm. remind you of a high school team. Can you give us like a peek behind the curtains? I mean, wh what are you seeing? What is it like to be a broadcaster? Are you on the bus with them? Are you in the same hotel do you hop down to the hotel and get a beer and see Niang having a hamburger? And <laughs> <laughs> do you do you get like Starbucks with Shake Milton and then all board? <laughs> so, yeah, sometimes we do. Um, so the way I try to do it is there's just, a podcast idea, by the I, way. I, I Starbucks with Shake. Of, see, there you go. Uh, love Shake. Love all the guys on this year's team. Truly. Um, so I try to stay out of everybody's way as much as I can because these guys again are being bugs all the time. And every time we're on the road, it is totally a business trip. Um, the players have their own bus when we're going to shoot around. But before games and after games, players trickle out at all different times because some are getting treatment, some are talking to the press. So, so yeah, there is um, some interactions that I have with players. My dog is now joining the podcast. This is Piper down here. We don't have to ask if you're a cat or dog person now. Uh, I am both, but currently both. a dog person because okay. my wife is deathly allergic to cats. So <laughs> <laughs> that has ruled them out of the family equation. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so sometimes I can be on the bus with guys. Um, sometimes, yeah, if they want to go out to a coffee shop, they always have everything they need at the hotel. There's, there's meals, there's coffee and everything. But some guys like to go out and explore the local hawks. Um, so sometimes I'll run into them there at practice and shoot arounds, which Doc and the staff have been kind enough to allow me to be at any ones that I want. So I try to take advantage of that every day that I can, because you learn something, you know, I try to get there early to see who the first guy out shooting is. If somebody's interacting with somebody, if somebody's working on something different than I've seen them work on before every other practice, like that's where as a broadcaster, you can learn a lot of that inside stuff that you can't learn anywhere else. It's just being there and being around players and being, that's when I get to see the fun, you know, like high school moments, guys having fun with each other. So um, so yeah, I, I'm a part of things, but also try to stay out of the way, if that makes sense. The stuff that you have seen, Tyrese has been vocal that Joel has taken a step in terms of vocal leadership this year. Everyone has talked about Tucker. Can you, uh, can you validate those, that type of stuff we've heard? Do you see that same type of stuff? Do you see changes? Do you see yeah, leadership? Yeah, definitely. And in addition to that, just again, little things that can make a big difference. Um, you know, Joel is, I, I, in my opinion, he's kind of an introvert, likes to keep to himself, um, loves to FaceTime with his son, Arthur, which those are some of my favorite moments when we're walking back to the bus after shoot around. And here's this huge seven foot, almost 300 pound dude who should be the MVP of the NBA being like, show me the airplane, show me the airplane <laughs> to his son. Just he's a human. And that's my favorite part of getting to be around these guys all the time. Cause I get to see them way more than 
you all do as just humans, as opposed to basketball players. But, but on the road, don't do it all the time, but sometimes the guys will go out to team dinners. And I know in the past that, that it's easy for a star player to just say, I'm good tonight. I'm going out with my boys or I'm staying home and talking to my fiance or whatever. But I know that over the last couple of years, Joel has started to do that more. And that matters that hour and a half that you can spend with your teammates, just, you know, eating, talking about life and stuff that matters. And then, yeah, he has been more vocal at, at practice and shoot around. And then, I mean, can't say enough about PJ Tucker. Um, I mean, <laughs> today at the end of practice, they're, they're scrimmaging, they're going hard. And it, it, it's practice, right? <laughs> AI told us all years ago, we're talking about <laughs> practice. It's, the the practices in between the first round and the second round like you don't want to get hurt you just you just want to keep your rhythm and keep your wind about you and at the end of a scrimmage who's going up and getting an offensive rebound and getting fouled and making a couple of big free throws in practice it's pj tucker the 37 year old pj tucker um and tyrese talked after practice about seeing him care so much about the details knowing he is the one guy on this team with a ring Sometimes he doesn't need to talk at all. Sometimes he just needs to, to be PJ. And the other guys are like, oh, 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 crap. Okay. <laughs> that, that's how I need to go about my business, right? And obviously what he said to Paul Reed in the locker room of game one at halftime and the locker room in game four at halftime, like he is, he's all about it. And he, guys recognize that he wasn't a top overall pick. They realize he had to go to Ukraine and had to work his way back to the NBA. So he has everybody's respect that goes so far. And I think the added toughness of a D'Anthony Melton and Jalen McDaniels, like I was just looking back at that. Last year, we got to the postseason. The first two guys off the bench were George Niang and Matisse Thibel. Guys I love, but as Daryl Morey and company said before training camp this year, they're mostly one-way guys, right? You brought George in for his three-point shooting. You brought Matisse in for his defense. First couple of guys off the bench this year are D'Anthony Melton, Jalen McDaniels, Paul Reed. Those are all two-way guys who are long, they're fast, they're tough, they're aggressive. Like, yes, they're in is a huge difference between last year's team and this year's team. Another anyway. difference between last year's team and this year's team is the emergence of one Tyrese Maxey. <laughs> if there's if there's one person that has personified like fun in this group, it's Maxey. Like, what has been the difference between your first year here with him as and then going into this year like how has that experience been just watching him mature into this potential superstar yeah it's 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 so fun i mean i still haven't found the exact perfect verbiage but i i look at these guys like either my younger brothers or some of them my like they could be my kids <laughs> um <laughs> But I just care so much for them. And I actually was just telling a friend driving home from practice today. I just seen Tyrese was the first one on the microphone today. He talked before Doc and he talked before George. And, and it, that is a part of the learning and growing process as well, getting used to doing NBA media. So to see the Tyrese that I saw last year, who was already pretty good at it, but today it's postseason. There's a ton of people there. There's more, you know, there's like 20 or 30 people all crowded around you at this little microphone. And Tyrese sits down. And he's not this shy first or second year kid anymore. He's like, claps his hands. All right, y'all, what are we talking about today? What are we talking about? <laughs> and it's like just the confidence that it takes, even though it seems like a small thing to sit down and do that. Because um, Cassell in the background yelling, that's my protege. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Sam Cassell's like, I built that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just been, so it's been awesome. Um, as somebody who, 
I hope that I'm going to be able to look back and say I kind of started my Sixers career pretty much at the same time he did. I know it was his second year, but it is it was his first real year um, with him just getting thrown into the starting lineup with Ben <laughs> and just rolling from there. So I obviously I feel a connection because of that, uh, because he got a lot of his first big moments and I got to be the voice of a lot of those moments. So I'm rooting for him like crazy. It's been so cool to watch him gain confidence, gain strength. I mean, he looks like a bigger dude out there, right? You could just tell that he's growing into it. And I'd, I'm not comparing him, you know, I, I, I'm not making the comparison that they're the same guy, but I was lucky enough to be covering the Warriors at the very start of Steph Curry's career. And it's it was very cool when I started and people were saying, I don't know if the ankles are going to hold up. Warriors fans were calling into the radio stations out there saying, man, I don't think we should sign him to a four-year contract. Like this guy's, this guy's just going to be broken ankles. It's going to be a waste of money. It's going to be another bad move by this bad organization. And now here we are, and he's, he's built up his strength, and he can fight through screens, and he's playing defense, and he's hitting big shots. And again, I don't see the exact same trajectory for Tyrese, but I just, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that I, I have seen some similarities, and I'm hopeful that uh, he continues the rise that he's shown these last couple of years. So before the aggregators come in, just like let's just let's just preface: Kate Scott is not directly comparing not Tyrese Maxey to Steph Curry. It. She's just, not doing I'm just that. Saying it takes a lot of work for smaller guys like Tyrese, like Steph, to work their way into finding their NBA footing, and uh, I think he's off to a great start. You uh, you filled in for Mark. That's some huge shoes to fill. You mentioned Allen Iverson, and I think when people think of Mark, they think of all of his ca famous catchphrases, but they also yeah. think of him calling an MVP season. And so not only are you filling in for Mark, it's kind of like if Joel were to fill in for prime AI, right? Because mm -hmm. people are like, Mark was still in his prime, and now we got someone new. As I heard you phrase, that, like, who is this blonde chick from the Bay, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, why, why? What are they going to like? And then suddenly you're calling an MVP season, which is just insane. And if we do look back on this as an MVP season for Joel Embiid, it would be crazy to deny that you aren't a small part of that because what's going to stick out in my mind are some of his best highlights and you saying for your MVP consideration <laughs> all, year, all year long. What, what would it mean to you to have called an MVP season so early in your Sixers career? Wow. I haven't even thought about that. You're the first one to actually bring that up. So. I mean, we will look back on that in 25 yeah. years and see some I of the highlights suck, and hear you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say before every broadcast in the talk back. Hey, all, let's have fun. Let's try not to suck. So I hope that I, I, hope that I didn't suck. Um, no, but I think uh, it would be wild. It would be, it would be an honor because um, I've compared Joel to Steph a lot of times because I used to say, how lucky are we to Warriors fans? Like, how lucky are we that this dude is on our team and we just get to watch him on a nightly basis? And I said that in regards to Steph. And it took me about 10 games before I felt the exact same way about Joel last year. Like, this guy is a 300-pound ballet dancer. He's out there doing Kobe moves and he is seven feet tall and 300 pounds. Is that Hakeem? Is that Dirk? Is that Kobe? Is that Michael? No, that's Joel Embiid. And I get paid to call his game. Yeah. Um, so it would be, 
uh, an incredible honor. And I, I would hope that somewhere in there, uh, Joel would be happy with a couple of the calls I made of some of his big moments. Do you have a favorite and a least favorite call of your own since you started here? Uh, yeah, we'll make them. Well, I, I, I liked uh, a call that a lot of people had good feedback to this year as well. Um, Joel's what turned out to be the game winner against the Blazers a couple of months ago. Um, I thought oh, that I did great. Thought I thank you. I I still should have said after I said whatever spinning and fading and hitting uh, before I called out the time. I should have said Sixers lead one point one to go. So <laughs> I'm I'm nothing if not relentlessly self-critical, guys. That's how Perfection. I got. <laughs> yeah. But overall, I didn't try to do too much. That has been my focus all year. Just call what you see. Um, uh, because my least favorite call so far is actually uh, Joel's game three in the postseason last year against Toronto, what turned out to be the game winner. I tried to hit a grand slam when there was nobody on base. Like just, I should have just called what I said. I was screaming. I was so excited. It was my first game winner in the NBA. Um, you feel and like I you overdid much, it? Which, which makes sense because it was my first game winner in the NBA. So oftentimes when you're doing your first, you put a little too much into it. You overdo it. Um, well, live, I think we were all screaming with you. So exactly. I probably so didn't hear what you yeah. said. <laughs> I don't think anybody noticed. I was just me. like, ah. <laughs> exactly. And a lot of people said, no, we loved it. Like it showed that you loved Philly. You were just as excited as us. Um, but in retrospect, I wish I, you know, it, it wasn't for the win because there was still time on the clock. I got a little confused about shot clock and game clock because I was so excited uh, I was a little too yelly, in my opinion, which is something as a woman I have to watch out for because people aren't used to hearing a woman call games. And then when you start to get excited, then even fewer people like that. So <laughs> I have to watch my tone a lot more than I think uh, some of my male counterparts have to do. And then I wish I would have just let the picture do more of the talking. So I wish I would have said something to the effect of Embiid for the lead. Got it. Point seven to go. And then just laid out. Because that's the difference between being a radio and a television announcer. Radio, Tom has to say all the things because nobody knows what the score is at the time or where on the court it is. Um, but on TV, you can see all those things. So, so that's uh, you can a call see Drake, that I look, Drake falling to his knees. Look forward to having <laughs> another chance to call an Embiid game winner, and I think that I will. So we, you got quite a few this year. Maybe not at the buzzer, but I mean, we got essentially game winners in Utah and LA. You got a whole bunch of them that yeah. put them up for good. And that was mm -hmm. huge. Do you feel like, I noticed you said the haters have subsided. They were coming at you fast and furious, but they, dis <laughs> they dissipated quite a bit. Do you, do you feel like there are things in your bag in year two that weren't in your bag in year one? Where do you think, if I could get you to brag a little bit, that you have improved? Uh, I think, gosh, I think I've improved all around and that's what I've done in every year of my broadcasting career so I think I felt more comfortable um, this year I think I was more myself because like anybody getting any new job imagine yourself going to a new company on the other side of the country and how much adjustment that would take and then make that job you're actually on live television in front of thousands hundreds of thousands of people every night who want to critique you and you're taking over for somebody that people wish hadn't retired uh, so there was just so many layers to that um, but I knew that if I was just myself and I continued to do the work that people would eventually maybe come around. But I also knew that that wasn't up to me. I just had to keep calling games and keep doing the work and keep listening back and 
listening to what I liked and didn't like and asking people I respected in the industry what they liked and didn't like and then continuing to to build off of that. I mean, it's similar. I don't know if other broadcasters do this, but for me, broadcasting is similar to being a player. Like you watch film and you break things down and you take forward what you liked and then you throw out what you didn't like. So just trying to expand the vocabulary, um, trying to let the picture do the talking more times, um, trying, trying not to yell, trying to keep my tone <laughs> as, uh, as palatable as possible when I can, while still being energetic and excited. Cause I think you guys and most fans know at this point, like that's just who I am. I'm so excited about well, life each and every day. There's like, the, um, there's like the Kate Scott gravelly in between where it's like, read with the rim rocker i don't know i don't know how you do it so i'm still even trying to work on that like <laughs> bring that up because it is really natural for me um but like after game three which was wild and another learning experience for me ejections and technical fouls and oh yeah that was that was learn that that was my first game with all of that madness and my wife, who is the most critical, I think, of everyone after the game, was like, I think you got too growly a little bit. Like, I want to hear you <laughs> No, I it's to ask you. Like, I wanted to ask you if she watches and gives you oh, feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's my hardest critic. She's like, why weren't you smiling more? You shouldn't wear that top again. It didn't look good. I thought you should have worn that. It's too gravelly. I'm like, great to see you, babe. What do you want for dinner? <laughs> um, is, she, is she a sports person? She is a huge okay. sports fan. Yeah. She's a all in on the Sixers, obviously now, nice. um, big college and NFL fan as well. Um, she likes going to baseball games and drinking beer and people watching, but that's, you know, she's more of a, a football, basketball, soccer kind of gal. But to answer your question, I think the biggest thing was I got more comfortable this year, um, which helped with my confidence. Uh, I feel like I belong here now. <laughs> I know not everybody feels that way. Um, this feels like home and I'm so looking forward to in year three, really just taking it to a whole nother level. I talked to Ian Eagle, who's the Nets broadcaster and taking over for Jim Nance as the voice of, uh, March Madness. I, I love Ian. Uh, Ian Eagle's great. Voice. I mean, he's, he's my favorite broadcaster right now because you can hear the joy he calls games with. Uh, but he's also super short and to the point, like I'll watch him call next games and he'll, because it's on TV and he doesn't have to say anything, swing down low kicks from the corner, like Cold -blooded. <laughs> bless the game. And then he's like, Oh, John Moran, a job breaker. Like it's short and it's energetic. So I, I listen to his games with a lot of focus, just trying to see things that I can pick, but I bring him up because I was talking to him last week and, and he said, you know, it's funny you mentioned wanting to get to year three because that's that's the season I really felt like I belonged with the Nets. Like you get the move, you get all the interviews, you get all that crap out of the way. You've traveled with a team for a couple of years now. You know all the hotels, you know all the stuff that nobody else thinks about. You've reduced all the drag. So now all you have to focus on is calling that game that night. And everything right. gets so much easier once you get to that. And he's like, that's how I felt year three. And I'm just... He's like, I thought you took such big strides between last year and this year. You just sound so much more comfortable and so much more you. And like, you're kind of playing around with different phrases and things that you're trying to see if you want to want to keep him as a catchphrase or maybe just want to leave him in year two. So, <laughs> it, and I totally agreed. So I'm really, really looking forward to next year. Kate, we're all looking forward to next year. And hopefully this comes with, you know, 
possibly a ring ceremony on opening oh, night. We'll see what happens. Let's all knock on the wood. Let's knock on the wood. Listen, listen, I'm, I'm doing it right now. I'm doing it right now. Uh, Kate, thank you so much for joining us. I did want to see if you would like to plug your uh, Girls on the Run event that you had this Thursday, April 27th. Kate Scott is going to be hanging out with Philly's own Dawn Staley with Girls on the Run. So, so any, any any details that you would like to share with our fine Liberty Ball is listening. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. And if anybody is thinking, I need something to do on this Thursday night in Philly, it's at the Lucy in the middle of the city um, from 6 to 10 p.m. Girls on the Run is a fantastic nonprofit organization that is all about getting young girls physically active and teaching them teamwork uh, and then helping build their confidence through that. And I cannot tell you how much sports impacted me as a young girl. I am here because of everything I learned playing sports. All what, did you, what was your favorite sport to play? Uh, I played everything. I played everything. soccer, basketball, tennis, and I ran track and field. Uh, nice. I loved basketball, but I was bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> so soccer was my best sport that I played. And I was actually going to play in college until I tore my meniscus. And then my broadcast first started. But so Girls on the Run is a wonderful organization. Dawn, obviously, is one of the goats. I've never met her before. I'm so excited to interview her. Um, but she also has the Dawn Staley Foundation, which has similar um, ideals about wanting to get young girls involved in sports because it's been proven time and time again that when girls learn teamwork, uh, resilience, how to how to bounce back from failure, how to be confident in themselves while working up a sweat and getting dirty and fighting your way through things that they're then much more successful in life. So uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Girls on the Run, Philly, you can Google it. Tickets are still available. It's a sneaker soiree, so we're wearing, you know, blazers and cool kicks. So wear your cool kicks and come out and support a great cause. Get some hardens. I, I'm actually, they're in the running. I'm, uh, I have three outfits that I'll run by the YC tonight, but the hardens are definitely in consideration because I think they look pretty fly up there. Do the kids say fly anymore? I'm old. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's fine. So. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> if you've if you've ever listened to our podcast, you you know that like this podcast kind of has like a seventies motif to it. So fly <laughs> is the appropriate word on this podcast, Kate. Also, also Jets fans are hoping you're not old because they just got Aaron Rodgers, who I think was at Cal around the same time. Oh right? my god, <laughs> he was. Actually, Aaron and I know each other, and I have a number eight signed Cal Aaron Rodgers jersey in my basement. So. It's pretty wild that he's going back to number eight. And, and I uh, think he's Joel's favorite player. He, Joel always tweeted, go Pat, go. I love that's him. what I thought. So so maybe I'll be the messenger is what you're saying, because I'm sure those guys, you know, don't connect with each other already. I'm sure they don't <laughs> make that connection. <laughs> Kate, thank you so much again for joining us. You can listen to Kate Scott when she's on NBC SN Philly. Follow her on Twitter at Kate T. Scott. Kate, thank you so much for joining us. It was such an honor and pleasure to talk with you. Thank you both for having me today. Appreciate you. Appreciate the difficult questions you asked. And uh, 12 more, y'all. 12 we more. We didn't even get to the hard ones. These are the, these are the softballs. <laughs> uh, okay, speak for yourselves. But 12 more. <laughs> and I hope, knocking on wood, fingers crossed, that I'll be emceeing a parade down Broad Street later this summer. Great to chat with y'all. Go Sixers. Trust the process. Go Sixers. Talk to you soon, Kate.